Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Ridgeview Church. My name is Alex Barrett, and I'm the, the lead pastor here, and we're so glad that you have decided uh, to join us. And we are on week two of winning the war in your mind. And if you were here uh, last week, has anyone thought more about your thoughts uh, this past week? I know that once you start thinking about your thoughts, you tend to think about them a little bit more, which can be bad if you're an overthinker, but if you don't think, it could be really good. Welcome. So we're going to continue on uh, this series today, and we're going to get a little bit deeper into uh, a little bit of the why, like why do we think uh, the way that we do, and uh, why does that cause us to, to take action and to maybe uh, do or say things or think things uh, that, that are not helpful. And so we're going to just, as we get started, I want to just review what we covered last week because I think it kind of sets us up uh, to build on uh, for today. And so here's a review of what we covered last week. Uh, three major points that most of life battles are won or lost in your mind. Uh, the thoughts that we think do impact our life. Uh, we talked about that. And then second, our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. So the things that you think about a lot and the things that impact you in a deep way, uh, that actually moves you into a direction. Like our thoughts, to the most part, are not neutral. We're either going forward or we're going backward, depending on what we're thinking. And then the third is this. The life we have is a reflection of the thoughts that we think. And so if you're here and if you're like me, there's a sense in which you look at your life and you kind of wonder, like, why are the things going the way that they are? And there's lots of people and circumstances and issues that impact our life, but the key to our life is actually, again, what we think about, what we focus on, how we respond uh, to those thoughts. And so just as a way of like a survey, uh, I have three questions for you. Uh, the first is, have you ever made a decision and wondered why you did what you did? Have you ever surprised yourself? Isn't that kind of scary when you surprise yourself? I do that to me all the time. Like, I'm like, wow, Alex, that was surprising. Yep. You've known me a long time. Second, have you ever had a thought and wondered where it came from? Like, whoa, that was scary. Like, I'm not going to tell anyone that thought. Like, we've had that, right? Like, just sometimes we just don't know where it came from, and then there's certain things we're like, whoa, that, that was a little scary. And then third, have you ever seen someone do something and think that makes no sense whatsoever? Not us, not ourselves, but others. Like, that makes no sense. And you may try to analyze it, and you get to the point where you just chuckle. The best analyzation right now is let's just laugh at what we just saw. That happens all the time, right? There's things that we think. It comes out of nowhere. We surprise ourselves. We see others do things, and we think, like, this makes no sense. There's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of things that just seems like a web of really bad decision-making. Sometimes it's hard uh, to look at ourselves in that. Sometimes it's easier to look at others or vice versa. We could really beat ourselves up. But again, the things in our mind are always churning. Sometimes it may make sense and sometimes it may not. So what I want to do today is talk about the things that you find yourself in related to yourself and even, even others where you, you, you find yourself surprised. So I hope today uh, this will help you kind of take steps of like, again, why why am I thinking these thoughts, and what's underneath the surface? Anytime you think about thoughts, um, it's easy to just, people will tell you, and this isn't the greatest advice, but stop thinking that. Has anyone ever told you that? Just stop it. You're like, if that worked, I would have stopped. 
But it's hard to stop thinking the thoughts that we think because there are thoughts. So past like this, that help, like it doesn't help us a lot. Just stop it. Well, bad thoughts, untrue thoughts, you do need to stop. But there's often times where there's, there's more than just hearing that phrase, stop it and doing it. You actually, you have to learn more of what go, is going on under the scenes. So I just kind of want to set the framework for that. First is, this is really helpful. This is a phrase that I heard from a mentor of mine years ago. We all do what makes sense to us. You do what makes sense to you, and I do what makes sense to me. And we all do what makes sense to us. Anytime you wonder why somebody did something, you may not know, but it made sense to them. And you may wonder why you said what you said or why you thought what you thought. It made sense to you. So there's a certain aspect of the things, again, these strong thoughts, they make sense to us, whether they're right, whether they're wrong. They're there because it makes sense. The reason this is is this. We all operate out of our hearts. People do what makes sense to them. You could see that graphic there of their heart. We all operate out of our hearts. And so this is where I want to connect kind of the mind and our thinking to actually a little bit of what I mentioned last week is to deal with your thinking and to deal with your mind. You can't just focus on the organ of the brain. Actually, in in biblical writings, that's not the focus. You don't really see it like focus on your brain. Uh, You actually don't find the the phrase mental health. Uh, But what you do see again and again is the focus of the heart. And this is like the main big picture idea of today, and that's winning the war in your mind begins in your heart, in my heart, in our heart. If you want to win the war in your mind, you have to get beyond just what you think of like the organ of your brain. There's actually things that are going on in your heart. The scripture calls our heart like the cockpit of our life. It's like the central navigation system for why we do what we do. And the things that make sense to us make sense in our heart where our thinking takes place. And so if we have our our brain and our thoughts, it's really like that is going on in our heart. And as we think in our heart, then we actually live life. That's what we do. Uh, check out the, the scripture here, Proverbs 16, 9. The heart of a man plans his way. So what plans the man's way? The heart. Isn't that very interesting? The heart is determining direction. There's thinking that's going on. There's goal setting. There's perspective. There's all these things that are being sorted and mulled in the heart, and that determines where you go. And then the second half of that proverb is, but the Lord determines his steps. So we have our heart, and that leads us in a direction, down a path towards goals, based on what makes sense to us. But then as we enter in a relationship with God, we have our heart, we have our decisions and our molds and our thoughts and all these connections and all these dots that we're trying to figure out, but then the Lord leads us to actually his path for us. So that's the good news. Despite things that we may do that don't seem to make sense, even though they do to us, that's why we did it. And where we feel stuck and we feel like we can't get ahead, when you connect to God, you actually can get your steps established, meaning he will lead you. That's the cornerstone and central to the Christian faith. It is an active relationship with the living God through Jesus Christ where he leads you, even in your heart and all the things that you're processing and thinking through. So that's the good news. But it's also very serious because what gets into our heart leads us. What gets into our heart determines really where we go. Notice the scripture in Proverbs 4.23. This is a great scripture to memorize if you haven't. Above all else, 
Guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Again, our thinking, the war in our mind is happening in our hearts. And so the scriptures say you need to guard it because what gets in there is going to set direction for you. You've got to be very careful. Another version says this, keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. I just want to break this down really quickly because it shows how important this heart issue is for life and our thinking and our decisions, and our attitude, and our actions. The word keep there uh, really means like to guard or to watch. Like keep, you're, you're, you're paying attention. You're on guard. Now keep it with all vigilance takes it a step further. Not only are you on guard or you're on watch, but you are protecting something so valuable. Have you ever seen the movies like when the plot develops and it's usually like where the crooks are trying to steal someone. There's always a guard watching. And what is the guard usually doing? Sleeping, watching like the game. It's always like a game. And then the monitor breaks and every guard's like, I'll oh, just slap it and it's fine. And then the thing is stolen. The scripture saying, don't be like that guard. Don't fall asleep. It's your heart. Don't be distracted. It's your heart. Keep, guard, watch with all vigilance. Pay attention what gets into your heart. For from it, things flow. That means it, like the, the, the flow of life, like the beginning of things. It's like the picture is like when I'm trying to fix a, a sprinkler. Have you ever had a broken sprinkler and then you turn it on and you're like, that's like the Bellagio water like in my yard. You ever had that? That's, that's what it's saying. It's like there's a sense of like if, if you're not careful what gets in there and it could just blow things up. And the beginning that you wish is not the beginning you have. So be very careful. Life flows from your heart. So I want to talk a little bit about um, the three things that shape the choices that we make, because in our choices, that's where our thinking takes place. Again, you may be like an overthinker. Have you ever lost sleep because you're thinking so much? That's easy to do. And have you ever just lost track of your thinking? You're like, what? I'm still thinking about this. And somebody tries to engage in you and they're just looking at you and they know you're not there because you're thinking and processing. How are you doing? I'm good. And you're just kind of like, you know, spaced out a little bit. I'm just thinking about everything in my life right now, but I'm doing really well. That happens without us thinking. But there's three uh, things that, that shape my choices. This is really helpful to keep in mind. First, uh, we all have desires. You want to know what shapes your thoughts? It's desires. There's things that you have that can be good, that can be bad. It's, I want something. Have you ever made a decision late at night to go buy something to eat because you just got that hunkering? Come on, God, don't, don't get quiet all of a sudden. We all have done that. That's a desire. I need that ultimate cheeseburger from Jack in the Box. They still sell those? I don't know, but sounds good right now. I have a desire. Could be good, could be bad. That's the first thing. The second is there's perspective. We all have this. Not only do we have desires, good and bad, but we have perspective. How I interpret my situation, that's how I see things. It's how I see my life. It's how I see my choices, my circumstances. Your perspective is influenced by your parents. Do you guys agree with that? Absolutely. Your parents impacted your perspective for better or worse. It also comes from peers. Do your friends impact your perspective? Yes. 
Does media, what we consume, movies, TV, social media, does that impact our perspective? Yes. That's why you could be having a great day and then get on social media and think the world is falling apart. Sometimes you just don't need to know because it impacts our interpretation of our life, our situation, how I see things. It's the lens. That's perspective. Desires, we all have them, good and bad. Perspective. We all have a way that we see it, a lens, an angle, how we interpret our situation. And then third is values. This is what is most important to me in this situation. These are priorities. Do we all have the same? No. Do we have similar ones? Probably. But again, depending on our perspective and our desires, that's going to impact the kind of priorities and the values that we have. The reason I bring this up is oftentimes when we think about our thoughts and the cloud and just the confusion that we have, we fail to realize that there's a lot more going on. One, it's in our heart. But two, what's in our heart is actually driving what we do. And I want to share this this diagram with me. And there's a space on your program uh, in your handout. And if you feel like taking notes, I encourage you to do that. That helps you kind of remember information. It's with your own uh, pen. And so there's a memory there as you're you're making notes. But there's space for the heart diagram. I encourage you, uh, you can actually draw this out. And I uh, heard this many years ago. This is developed from my mentor, one of my mentors called Harold Bullock. And he's probably the the most brilliant man I know. And he uh, had his PhD in in chemistry and had a very sharp mind. And God actually called him to become a pastor. And he went into the ministry. And he started a church in Hope uh, Hope Church in Fort Worth, Texas. He started a church. And his his goal was, how do I actually help people uh, see biblical values, learn them, and live them out? And a lot of who we are as a church at Ridgeview we're connected to this network of churches that was founded by this man. And he, he would take a study on like uh, the wisdom and Proverbs and Psalms in the scripture, and he would start the study, and like 11 years later, he would finish it. That's like the type of person he is, just brilliant. But he, he's made a lot of headway in uh, understanding the Bible, how it works, and a lot of how we do church is shaped uh, by him and by this network that we're a part of called the 17.6 Network. But I first heard this heart diagram when I was in college and it actually kind of like pulled back uh, the curtain in a lot of ways for me, like where I, I started to understand myself a lot better. And so I, I want to share it with you. Feel free to take notes. So this is where those three things, how they shape our choices in, in a diagram. The first you'll see is the heart. There's our desires. Positive and negative, right? Good and bad. Now, most of the time, uh, we just think we have good and bad desires, and then we just do what we want to do. But there's two filters, and those are the two things I've already talked about. The first is perspective. Oh, sorry, I'm going to skip that verse. But then you see perspective. This is, again, how we see it, how we interpret our desires. They're then filtered through that perspective. Again, it's not just what we do. It's now filtered through this uh, perspective. And our desires, here's part of what's really important to keep in mind. The good and bad, all of us have certain drives here. And if you want to learn about these drives, study toddlers. See where I'm going? There's certain desires we all have. Mine, we all have that. I want what I want. We all have that. And in the scripture, again and again, this, these are defined as like sad, S-A-D, desires versus selfish. We all have selfish desires. If you don't agree with that, be in a line when someone cuts in front of you. And that just fires me up. 
because that was my place in line. But there's a certain drive there, like, that's just not right. That's my place. Or even like a merge on the freeway. Ah, uh, you're not going to get in. Yes, I will. No, you're not. There's a zipper. We zipper, everybody. You know, you're, you're the zipper police on the freeway. There's also arrogance. That's another basic drive we all have. And that is uh, feeling that I deserve better, I deserve more, and I deserve it sooner than I should. We all have that. Basically, I have a goal, and everyone just needs to come in line with my goal because it's the perfect goal. There's an arrogance there because your goal may not be another person's goal. You want to see this lived out? Live in a family. Selfish and arrogance, it's just this is the battles. This is where conflict erupts. And then the third is, is just damage. There's a sense of what, where um, I, I want what I want, and, and I want it now, and if, if you're not cooperating with me, I don't want to hurt you, but I will. You ever seen this? This happens all the time. As adults, we get very sophisticated. On the playground, when you're really young, you just smack somebody over the head. We don't do that as adults, but we get into manipulation or control or bitterness or the cold shoulder. We, we're more sophisticated, but it's the same playground tendencies. So these desires impact our perspective and our perspective, how we view life, how we think it works. Thing about perspective is uh, you, you learn perspective by like personal investigation. That's how you, you understand. Like you may study something. I need to learn. I need to grow in my perspective. And so you may read the scriptures and that helps your perspective of the Bible and maybe, maybe God, how he works. And so you, you may read the scriptures. That, that's very important. So a lot of it's personal investigation. The thing about perspective is for it to really make sense to you because you do what makes sense, you have to have personal experience. And so one of the things that we want to do at Ridgeview is we don't want to just talk about things. We want to experience them together. Because if you're investigating and you gain perspective and then you have an experience with it, you now really see it that way. This is also very important for parenting. As parents, you can get into just telling your kids what they need to do. You just need to do this, you need to do this. What they actually need is an experience where they see life works like that. Once you have an experience, you don't let go of that. It's real. So experiences are very important to perspective. And then values, this is, again, is how we just, we rank things. What's important? Your personal goals, your family, your ranking of all these things that compete and vie for your attention. Do you ever feel pulled in 20,000 directions at the same time? Not us. It's always clear, right? No, we all do. We, we just we get pulled in a different direction. Well, how do you choose what you do first? You ever thought about that? What's well, actually it's based on your values? You're going to choose what makes sense to you, and you're going to choose what's the most important to you. So all of these, your desires, the mixed bag that we all have, is filtered through how we see life and then our ranking of what's important. And that leads to what? Behavior. This is why knowing the scripture is so important. This is what reading the book of Proverbs is about and reading the scripture of how life works and Jesus' teaching in the Old Testament. As you soak it up, you see this again and again and again and again. People doing things, and then you have to take a step back and say, why did they do it? Why did Jesus do what he did? 
Why did this person struggle the way that they struggled? Why am I struggling the way I'm struggling? Well, you could focus on behavior, and this is what schools do. Most of it is just behavior. Fix the behavior. Condition the behavior. You're in trouble. And hopefully by you being in trouble, you're going to actually change what you do. That doesn't work. Like, that's not reform. Like, you can't, you, the, the way you reform is you have to see things differently. You have to value things differently. And then you have to learn how to channel your desires through that, through what, what God says. Is this making sense so far? I'm setting this up because, again, uh, if, if we don't understand this, we just keep chasing our thoughts and we just keep trying to get better or stop thinking things or think this thing instead of that thing. But you have to know that we've been trained since we were very, very young to have purposeful behavior, which we all do. And it's purposeful because of our perspective and value. So if you want to experience change, you want to change your thinking, you have to change your what? Yeah, and your heart and your perspective and your values. You have to change it all. Are you still going to have bad desires? Yeah. Are you still going to have good desires? Yes. But what prevents you from making bad mistakes is the way you see things and your priority. So these desires can stay the same a lot. You just have to learn how to battle them. But the key is the filter through which you process that. I want to just share like a a little case study with you because I thought it would be helpful in how this works uh, just from a story in the Old Testament, the story of Joshua. Uh, If you've heard of Joshua, he was in the Old Testament. He took over the leadership of Moses. Have you heard of Moses before? What comes to mind when you hear Moses? This is for church people. If you've never heard of Moses, you'll learn a little bit by what people say, unless I go, eh, because they were wrong. Ten Commandments, yes. The burning bush, yes. The Red Sea, yes. What? Golden calf. Let my people go. Exodus, yes, all of this. Charlton Heston, yes. If you're younger, talk to him afterwards. He'll explain that. But Moses was like the, the supreme leader of the time where he, he didn't see, you know, think of himself as credible. And God spoke to him literally as a burning bush. And it's like, you need to go to the Egyptians who were enslaved the Israelites, and you need to be a part, and you need to lead them out of Egypt into the promised land that I've given them. And you're going to do that by crossing the Red Sea, and I'm going to open that sea up. And he did. He walked on dry land with all the Israelites. So amazing things. But through the course of decisions that happened with the people, they were very stubborn, like we are, again, because their desires, selfishness, right? And they questioned God. They questioned authority. They worshiped idols. God had literally saved them from slavery, but they felt like they weren't being led well enough, and so they just decided to worship like just a statue, as Moses was getting the commandments of God. Think about that. It's wild. They had been saved from literal slavery and even said, like, I wish we could go back. I wish we could just, at least we knew what we were going to get. That represents us too. There's all that going on in our, in our heart. And so Moses, because of the people and then also because of his own anger, God told him, you freed the people from the the Egyptians, but you will not enter the promised land. And God raised up Joshua, who was like his strong second. Moses, you know, Joshua was courageous, been on battles and missions and and was a part of, of this 
freedom that they experienced, and he'd been with Moses the whole time. But imagine you, and I just want you to put yourself into the thought process of Joshua. Sometimes when we read the Scripture, we forget that these are humans in which things are happening, and we just kind of read it without thinking. So sometimes it's good when you read the Scripture for yourself, think about it. Put yourself in their shoes. So Joshua has taken over for the greatest leader that these people had known. He had freed them. He had led them in miraculous ways through God's hand before them. And then Joshua is the next guy going to take them into the promised land. What are some things that you would be thinking, since we're focusing on our thoughts, what are some things that you would be thinking if you were the guy that was going to be the next leader after Moses? Just yell them out. What are things that you were thinking? Age appropriate. Will I measure up? Yeah, I'd be thinking that. What's that? I can't do it. I can't do it. Moses couldn't do it. How can I do it? What else? Are you sure, Lord? Is there another Joshua? Not me. Like, I think you've got it wrong. What else? I don't know what to do. Will I what? Will I fail? How many of you would ask that? I would definitely ask that. Like, am I going to actually be able to pull this off? So what I did is I just thought through the heart. What's in the heart again? Desires, good and bad, perspective, and values. Okay, so thought, Joshua, what, what are some desires that you think he would have? Here's some things that I, I came up with. Again, this is helpful uh, to think about with Scripture, but how many of you have a, a desire a lot of times you don't want to look stupid? That's like the desire of competence. We want to appear competent. Men, this is especially true of us. We want to be competent even when we know we're not. That's why we don't stop for directions. Everyone knows we're lost, but we just make it official if we ask. We don't want to look stupid even though we have no idea where we're going. That's a desire. Josh, I, Joshua, I don't want to look stupid. Um, I also have a desire, like, I want to seem like I know what I'm doing. Like, I, I want to lead these people forward. I, I'm sure he had a desire, like, to do it well. So there, I'm sure that in there, there was some pressure. He's the next guy. There's a lot of room to fill in those shoes. Uh, some values and, and priorities. Well, I'm sure if he was given the role to take the people in the promised land, I'm sure high on his list was to do that. I want to succeed. I want to make sure we get there because we have been wandering for 40 years. That's how long they wandered in the desert after they had been free. Think about that. The promised land, they waited, and literally a generation died off. So Joshua's thinking, high on the priority list, I got to get him there. Other things, what about my welfare? I'm now the leader. Did Joshua know all that Moses had faced? Did he hear the grumblings and complaints? Yes. He knew. He knew the pressure of leadership. My welfare, and then my family. What's going to happen to my family? I'm now the tip of the spear. I'm the main leader. Everyone's going to come after me and my family. See how that's perspective. Does that impact how he sees things? Absolutely. Do we have that same pressure? Yeah. Peace, welfare, that impacts us. Safety, victory, those are all values and priorities. And there's a ranking. So with Joshua, you could see he wants to be successful and he wants to lead the people to the promised land and then he also wants his welfare and his family's welfare. You see how this works? Well, what? 
Is it different depending on which one's the most important? Absolutely. The scripture's a case study of, of finding out what's the most important to people. There's a tension there. And then perspective. We already talked about that. If Moses couldn't do it, how could I? I am all alone. My leader is gone. The person that I look to is no longer here. I'm now that person. That's a lot of pressure. And then I don't have what it takes. We shared that. So all of this is going on in the mind of Joshua, who had just taken over from Moses, to be a part of the greatest march into the promised land that we had ever seen. What I want to do is I want to share scripture with you to show how God knows us, he knows our desires, he knows our values and our perspective, and how he uses his words, and he uses the Bible, and he uses his words today to get to our heart. So we talked about last week, the importance of getting your mind and your heart into the word of God. It's so important because God knows you, and he will help you. And the words that he has in scripture are given to you to guide you. And this is what he says. So having said all that we'd said about desires, perspective, and values, see if God addressed these in his command to Joshua. This is like his sending like command into this role. This is his commissioning. Joshua 1, verse 5, it says, No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Verse seven, only be strong and courageous. He repeats it. Being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may have good success wherever you go. And then verse eight, it says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. And then verse nine brings it back again. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Could God have told Joshua, Take the land. Do it. Yes. Does that help Joshua? Not really. Because he needs perspective. He needs values. He needs to know what to do with his desires. And so God, in his grace, and what he does again and again, not only with Joshua, but with all of us, he meets us where we are, and he gives us the perspective we need. And he's given us the scripture to give us the values that we need. So take what we've talked about so far, and let's start with perspective. What did God speak on? Well, the first is this. You are not alone. That's the key question Joshua had, right? Because that's what we would have. I'm doing this. How am I going to do this? I don't have what it takes. So his key perspective, God, to Joshua, you are not alone. Does that impact the way Joshua sees this assignment? Yes. So if you follow Christ and you connect with God and you are on this journey, whatever you face in your life, you are not alone. That impacts what you think about. 
Because anytime you get into those thoughts where you feel like you don't have what it takes and you don't measure up and you can't do it, you are absolutely right. Because you don't. You can't do it. But God can. And he's with you because you are not alone. Very different than just thinking, I just need to do it. I just need to do it. Actually, the reason you can do it is because you're not alone. That's key perspective. He also spoke on values and priorities. You will succeed. That's what God told Joshua. Remember, he's, he's wanted to be successful to the goal. That was the task that he'd been given. But again, he's also concerned of his welfare. That's why it's important because you're not alone. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to watch out for you. But also, you will succeed. I will lead you forward. You see this in verse 6. For you shall cause this people to inherit the land. See, I gave you this assignment to do, and guess what? You're going to do it because I'm with you, and I'm going to give you success. Specific, God's word for the moment. And then his desires, be careful to obey. So there was a lot of be strong, be courageous. Be strong, be courageous. Be strong, be courageous. But then in the middle of that, God's word, look at verse 7. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law. So what God knew is just like what happened to Moses and happened with the people in the Old Testament, the Israelites, very easy. You're like, God, we are with you. We are following you. We're going to do whatever you say one minute. The next day, you're worshiping an idol. Very interesting, right? We are so fired up. We will do anything that God asks until he asks us. And it's like, not that. Because I got other things. There's other values and perspective I'm dealing with right now. And so God knew. You can be strong and be very courageous, but at the same time, you have to be very careful. Being careful to do according to all the law that most of my servant commanded. Do not turn from it to the right hand or the left. This is really a warning to any of us who lead people. If you're a parent, you're leading your kids. If you're a husband, you're leading your family. If you're a boss, you're leading your employees. We all have you know, parts in our life where we're leading, and this is the sense. like You have to be strong and be courageous in your leadership, but you also have to realize you have to be very careful what you do and what you say. Because at any moment, your desires can take you out. Do you know how many problems exist in the business world, in the church world, because of people's desires filtered through their values and perspective, and they blew up their marriage because of affairs? Does that happen? Absolutely. It happens every day. Did the person just wake up and say, I want to have an affair? I want to blow up this church. I want to blow up this company. I want to blow up this family. No. But there's values and perspective that they've been mulling on for months and months and months and maybe years that led them to behavior. You can't fix behavior. You address the values and the perspective. The reason I'm sharing this is this is God. He's living. He knows you, and he wants to help you, just like he helped Joshua and he helped Moses. He will help you. And so when he says to be careful, it's a warning to all of us. We have to do what God's word says. So in closing, I know I've kind of 
given some big perspective, and then we've, we've honed it in. in. In closing, I just want to highlight a few things. This is just kind of focus, and it's this. Real and lasting change happens when we think that life works in that arena, whether that's our finances, our parenting, our marriage, our work, church, like the Bible says, not what I previously have believed. The way your perspective changes is you allow God to change it, and you begin to see things differently, not based on how you were raised, not based on what you've heard, but based on what you've experienced with God. And that's why experiences with God are so important. So if you want lasting change, you have to think that life works according to the Scripture. And then second, you have to feel that something else is more important than what I have always preferred. This happens every week as people decide whether they're going to engage in church or not. Did you know you all acted in what made sense to you today? Because you're here. You didn't have to be here. You could have slept in. What would that have been like? To some, it's like that would have been glorious. (laughs) But you're here. You actually made a value decision. You're here because you chose to be here. And you're here because it makes sense to you. If you're not here, the same is true. Everything we do, there's things going on where I have to deal with things that I've always preferred and I have to always make that value choice. This happens as people decide, like, am I going to be in a small group at church that costs me a weeknight? Are your weeknights precious? Yes. Well, why would somebody do it? Because that's actually more important than guarding your weeknight. Because there's something in my perspective that sees community and allowing people to know me and being able to share and encourage each other, that's more important than me being at home. You see how it all works? It all works in everything that we do, every single thing. That's why I share it, because if you want to change, you have to deal with your perspective, and then you have to deal with your values. So just try to kind of memorize that heart diagram when you do something and think, okay, why did that make sense to me? And begin to ask those questions. And if you're really brave, ask somebody else, why did that make sense to me? And then get ready to hear it. And then last, to gain traction in the war in my mind, this is really important. I need to continue experiencing God in his ways. So the reason I bring this up is we're in a time now in, in culture, and because of the COVID uh, world that we've just come out of, and isolation and everything where everything's been turned upside down, even in relating and community and unrest, and there's strains in relationships and everything, but there, there's something where you have to get to the point. You have to get to the point where I want to orbit around the church and the community to experience who God is. You have to make choices based on that. Without experiencing God in his ways, like you, you don't change. And that, that leads to the second, to gain traction. I need ongoing relationships with people who reflect the ways of God. You grow your perspective and your values of experience, remember the personal experience, oftentimes by the people who you relate to. They're reinforcing what you think. So sometimes if you're not thinking the right thoughts and your values and priorities are off, check the people you hang out with. It's probably very similar. So what's supposed to happen in the church is you're supposed to be around people that are like pulling you forward. They challenge you. You ever had that where people are serving in the church? You're like, dang, why are they here so much? You know you think that. Because <laughs> part of it is it challenges you. We don't like that. 
Let's all show up. You can, but this room would be empty. That, that pulls us forward. It's the same. Like if people are active in sharing their faith, it, it pulls us forward. The interesting thing about the church is there's people that are further along with you that should pull you forward and encourage you. And then there's people that are not as far as you that you should be doing the same. See, it's all connected. So this is very important. I need ongoing relationship with people who reflect the ways of God. If you don't have ongoing reflect, uh, that didn't make sense. If you don't have ongoing relationships with people in the church, it's because it doesn't make sense to you. So ask the question, well, why doesn't it? What's going on? Ask the question. It's helpful. And then, last but not least, I need patience as change happens over time. How many of you guys struggle with being patient with people, with yourself? Like you just, you just heard what I said and you're like, yep, I'm going to change. I'm never going to do that again. I'm never going to think that. I'm never going to say that. You, you probably will. You'll mess up. I mess up. One of the things in our culture is everything is so immediate. You want something, you download an app, you get it. You want food, they'll deliver it to you. Anything you want, order on Amazon, two days, you got it. Spiritual growth takes time. Your heart that thinks the way it thinks, feels the way it feels, how long are you alive? That's a long time to think a certain way. So it takes time. God works, though. He speeds that process up, but it does take time for us uh, to change. So I hope that's helpful. And then last but not least, what I want to do is I want to give you uh, some homework. You guys ready? Back to school, people. This side was a little excited. This side, come on, guys, you. Um, this is, you talk like in a sermon, it's very hard for you to be reflective in your own life because I'm just talking to you and you're listening. What I want to encourage you to do is actually um, process yourself, and I, I've put together a, a worksheet, and it's the first next step, it, the value and perspective worksheet. I put together a worksheet where you can begin to look at different values and different perspective and scripture and begin to just reflect on why you see things or feel things or value things the way that you do. Like, you don't have to turn this in. Like, I'm not the teacher giving you the assignment. It's just an opportunity for you to maybe take a next step and learn more. So on your connection card that Joel had you begin filling out, pull that out. And then if you want to do this exercise, I think it'll be helpful to you. And you just write value and perspective, or you could do V and P, and we'll know, we'll send you the worksheet. Or you could write worksheet. However you want to communicate it, we'll get it to you. And we'll email it to you. And then you could print it out and you could work through this this next week. So I encourage you to do that. Take a next step yourself to like dig into why you think the way that you think. Especially if you want to get traction in your thinking, I think this will, this will be a help to you. The value and perspective worksheet. So if you want some homework, you can take it. Uh, second, Next step, Joel already mentioned this, but I encourage you to do it. Sign up for the kickball tournament. This may seem like, okay, what's the big deal? Well, getting around people and having fun is actually a value. Getting around church people is a value. It means like I'm going to engage in the community. And so I encourage you to do that. And then Joel mentioned this, the Difference Maker Workshop. 
This is actually about if you want to learn how to share your faith with others. This is about sharing your faith. If you want to share your faith with others and make a difference in the lives of people, sign up for this workshop. We'll be talking a lot about values and perspective in that and how to help people. And then last but not least, Exploring Ridgeview, if you'd like to learn more about our church, how you can get involved, how you can find out what's important to us, how you can join the team, be a part of what God is doing here in North Fontana, come to the Exploring Ridgeview class at the end of this month. We walk through who we are, where we're headed, and how you can join with us. And there's three steps. Uh, The first class that we're going to be doing on the 29th is the preview class, big picture. And then the next class we have is our Discover class where we get more into our, our beliefs and why we do the things that we do. And then the last is you can commit to join the team here at Ridgeview. So uh, write those next steps. Decide uh, to take one. And if, if I've not met you, I'm going to be by the uh, info table after service. I would love to meet you. Just come say hello. And we're so glad that you have joined us today. The band's going to sing one more song. We're going to receive our offering and make sure to drop uh, that connection card Uh, in there. Also, we do have uh, free gifts. If you're a guest, uh, please come, and we have a free gift for you, just as our way of saying thanks for joining us. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for your word, which shows us what to do with our desires, but also how we see things, and it grows our perspective and gives us a different picture of our values. And so, Lord, we thank you for the help that you give us We don't have to figure this life out on our own. We don't have to just stay in our heads. We don't have to figure out our hearts and just move forward haphazardly. You guide us, and we thank you for that. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.